Hello and welcome. It's the pleasure of Power to Change to present Family Life Today each week, Monday through Friday at this time. We'd love you to contact this station and tell them how much you appreciate hearing Family Life Today. Well, let's get started on today's edition. So Christmas is coming. I'm so excited. My favorite time of the year. It's not your favorite time. Go ahead. Tell them what the Wilson House is like. Well, it isn't anymore, but it it was for years on Christmas morning. I really love Christmas. I love everything about it. The birth of Christ. We're celebrating this. Families together. Food. And Come I'm going to admit, love I love buying people gifts. Yeah, you don't even care about getting no, a gift. No, I don't care about that. But you go a little over the top. When I so, come down into the family room and I can't see the tree because no, there's so many packages in front of it. this is not true. It's been very meager lately. Meager? Are you kidding me? Meager. It's been meager. The other day, I think it was Cody, one of our sons was talking about Christmas morning. He goes, all I remember is mom's just... Having the time of her life, and there's Dad sitting on the couch, like totally depressed. Are no, you kidding? Angry? Me? You're angry. Yeah. Because I just I can't believe how much I always think like you kept to the budget, right? And you look at me like, sure, of I did. Of course, I did. There's no way all those gifts fit under I'm our budget. Frugal. So I struggled with the stress of the money part of it. And Christmas, let's just admit, Christmas can be incredibly stressful. Yeah, and there's a lot of emotions. And so Christmas is coming up. We need to talk about the emotions of Christmas. And we have the guy in the studio. Bob Lapine is back with us. You wrote a book on the four emotions of Christmas. But, Bob, let me say this. I never get to do this. Welcome to Family Life Today, Bob Lapine. <laughs> this, this is so weird. Isn't it weird, <laughs> Bob? It's, it's weird. so good you're here. It feels so good to have you back. I mean, in back. 30, almost 30 years of broadcasting on Family Life Today, you were never the guest. You no, were always the host. There, there was one series um, when I wrote my book, The Christian Husband. Actually, before that, when we found out Marianne was pregnant with David, so this is in 1994, Family Life Today had been on the air for two years, and Dennis Rainey, the founder and president of Family Life, said to me, let's do a series where we talk about getting ready for a new baby in your home, mm-hmm. and we'll just talk about what you guys are doing. So I was the expert for, for that <laughs> series. There were just a handful of times. But, you know, just you guys and I, we spent a couple of years yeah. every day here yeah. talking to folks, doing this. So it just feels natural to be right back in the saddle with you. feels like we've never missed a beat. Great it, to be here. I agree. And we're excited to have you too, Bob. For our listeners that don't know, you mentored Dave and I for two to three years as we became the co-hosts, but you founded Family Life Today and started it with Dennis Rainey. How many years ago? Started in 1992. Uh, Family Life began in 1976, so it had been going for 16 years doing marriage getaways, providing resources, small group materials for marriage and family, and then Dennis recognized that the needs of marriage and family were so big, we were touching thousands of people, but we needed to be touching millions of people. And that's what opened the door for Family Life Today, which started in 1992. Yeah, so we sit here in these seats because of you and Dennis, so thank you. Mm-hmm. And so now you're the expert, <laughs> and you're the expert on Christmas. Just a little thing called Christmas. But I love that you wrote a book about Christmas. So I'll, I'll tell you. I got to this... tell you to say this, Bob, though. You know, you wrote a book about Christmas about emotions. Yes. 
And you're the guy that one day in the studio said that emotions are a good data point. <laughs> True. You remember that? I, of course I remember so, that. I mean, it's not like you're the most emotional guy in the world. How did this book come to be? Well, I recognized that at Christmas time, our emotions are heightened. Yeah. And it, necessary. It's a time of year <laughs> when we get more emotionally engaged, whether that's the emotions we're hoping for during Christmas or the emotions we actually experience during Christmas, which are often two different things. But honestly, the genesis of this book was sitting down with some of the team here at Family Life, and the vision was, let's create a resource. I don't know how long it's been since you went and bought a birthday card for somebody, but birthday cards cost a ton. What if we had a book that cost about the same, three or four dollars, but it was a substantive book that instead of giving people cards at Christmas, you gave them a book that had the gospel message embedded in it that would be something that they would go, oh, I'm curious about this, that you could give to coworkers, neighbors, relatives, unbelievers, something they'd look at and go, that's interesting, I'm curious, that would open up the gospel to them. As we were talking about a book like that, we kicked around ideas, and I said, what if we talked about what all of us experience at Christmas, and talk about emotions, both the positive and negative emotions, but talk about how the emotion we long for, joy, is actually the emotion that God promises at Christmas through Christ, and see if this is a way to open the door evangelistically for other people. And it's a beautiful little book, too. Yeah, yeah I, and I don't know a person that wouldn't get the title of that book and wonder, what are the four emotions? Yeah. That's why we decided, let's talk about emotions, and it will pique people's curiosity. Well, one of those emotions I've already sort of brought up, because I've felt it, but I don't think I've felt the stress anywhere near what Anne has felt. Because she has said to me for 41 years, men do nothing at Christmas. <laughs> Women do everything. Bob, when I was seeing these emotions and stress, I love Christmas, but most of the time I'm totally stressed yeah. at Christmas. And most of the time I'm mad at Dave at Christmas. <laughs> and I'm telling you, most of my friends feel the same way. And years ago when our kids were little, you know, and we're buying gifts and we're wrapping gifts and we're cooking food and we're making cookies, I came across this old poem. And I have to read a segment sure. of this. And this is what it says. See, mother, see, mother laugh. Mother is happy. Mother is happy about Christmas. Mother has many plans. Mother has many plans for Christmas. Mother is organized. See, mother smile. Mother smiles all the time. Funny, funny, mother. See, mother, see, mother smile. Mother is happy. Mother has finished shopping. See the children watch TV. See the children change their minds. See them ask Santa for different toys. <laughs> see father taking a nap. See mother go shopping again. See, mother is not smiling. Funny, funny mother. And I'll cut out some of it, but listen to the end of this. See mother. See mother wrap presents. See mother hunt for scotch tape. See mother run out of Christmas wrap. See mother hunt for Christmas cards. Searching, searching. Go mother. See mother go. See mother go to the store seven times in one hour. See mother go fast. See mother go faster. See father taking a nap on the sofa. <laughs> run, mother, run. See, the kids are fighting. See, mother screaming. Mother is not funny anymore. At last, it's Christmas. See the happy children. See the happy father. Father loves Christmas. <laughs> the children love Christmas. See, father smile. See the children smile. See the happy, happy family. Look, look, where is mother? 
Mother is slumped in a chair. Mother doesn't look so good. Mother has dark circles under her bloodshot eyes. See Mother stare into space. Why can't Mother be happy? Happy like Father. <laughs> Isn't it good. funny? That nails it, doesn't it? It nails it. Yeah. Yeah. And so we want to be happy at Christmas, but there's a lot of stress in Christmas. Well, there is, and, and we come into the holiday with expectations about what this holiday is going to produce for us. We come in thinking this is a season of joy and of peace, and then we find out that it winds up being a season of disappointment and stress and sadness often. Mm. That's really part of what is addressed in this book is why is it that what we're longing for at Christmas, what our soul longs for, winds up getting taken in so many different directions. And you're right. We have so much on the calendar, yeah. so many objectives that we're trying to accomplish during the month of December. If you pulled back in any other month of the year and said, let's talk about this coming month and let's add more activities than we ever have as a family during the month. Let's add shopping priorities to the top of that. Let's add entertainment priorities, parties, there's work-related stuff, there are kids' activities. Special uh, school functions. Exactly. You, you start to load up the calendar. We've all felt this. We've had situations where somebody has called and said, we were thinking about getting together during Christmas. Do you have any nights available? And we got one. Yeah. And we don't want to do anything with you that <laughs> night because we got one night and we need some time to do something else, right? All of the expectations that get piled on and we think unless we accomplish all of these things, we won't have the Merry Christmas. These are necessary components for us to have the kind of holiday that we want to have. And we found that this grows exponentially throughout your marriage and throughout your family because the more kids you have, the more activities you have. The older they get, the more activities there are added to that. And then there are traditions that just keep multiplying. So, for example, I, I talk in the book about how fajitas became stressful for us at Christmas. And you wouldn't think fajitas would be a big deal, right? And let's add, you've been married to Marianne for 43 years. That's you right. have five children and how many grandchildren? We have 10 grandkids. Okay, so that's where we are. But when our kids were little, in our neighborhood in San Antonio, we lived in San Antonio for a while, and we would put out luminaries, brown paper bags with sand and a candle in each one. And so we would do this, I think it was Christmas Eve, you'd have the luminaries out. Which meant, Somebody had to get the brown paper bags, the sand, and the candles, right? <laughs> I don't remember ever doing any of those things. By <laughs> you the didn't way. do that? I, I thought you were going to say you did. Funny, no. funny mother. No. Funny, right. funny Marianne. So somebody had to assemble all of that stuff. And then on the afternoon of Christmas Eve, when you don't have anything else to do, <laughs> you're out putting luminaries. Now, we did this because it was beautiful and we it was a nice tradition. Did you hear him say somebody put them out? <laughs> <laughs> An angel. And because... All of that was taking place on Christmas Eve afternoon and early evening. We weren't going to try to make dinner. We were going to go grab carryout dinner. And in San Antonio, carryout dinner means you go to the local fajita place, in, in our case, the Alamo Cafe. And back in the day, you could get a pound of fajitas with rice, with beans. We'd get a side of queso. We'd get tortillas and all the rest for like under 20 bucks. And the kids didn't eat the fajita meat much. They would just, you know, refried beans on a tortilla, they're fine, or a quesadilla, they're fine with that. So it was simple, cheap, and it became a tradition for us to have fajitas on Christmas Eve, just kind of a special thing. Well, when we moved to Little Rock, 
our first Christmas away from San Antonio, I wanted to keep a little of the San Antonio magic in our Christmas, so I thought we should make fajitas. Well, there's nobody selling the the discount pack of fajitas in Little Rock. So I went around to the grocery stores trying to find skirt steak, which is what you use to cook fajitas with. Nobody knew what skirt steak was at the butchers in Little Rock. I finally found skirt steak, bought it, brought it home, and made homemade fajitas with store-bought tortillas, and it was fine. Well, the next year, it was, we should make our own refried beans. Instead of canned refried beans, we should make our own. And the year after that, what if we had both white queso and yellow queso? And all of a sudden, this has become now an elaborate production. So after doing this for like 15 or 20 years, Marianne says, what if we skip the fajitas this year? And I looked at her like, why don't we just cancel Christmas, <laughs> too? Skip the fajitas. I mean, how can you have Christmas if you don't have fajitas? And she looked at me and says, you have no idea. And I said, I'll take care of it. Yes. I'll ta- the girls and I will cook the whole fajita dinner. You don't have to worry about a thing. Well, you guys know Marianne well enough that when I say you don't have to worry about a thing, she's still worrying about it. (laughs) Even when I say stay out of the kitchen, don't worry about a thing, she's still concerned that it's all going to get done properly, get done right. She doesn't have confidence that I can pull off an elaborate fajita meal, and with good reason. She doesn't have confidence (laughs) on that. But that's one component. Now, here's the other thing she's thinking of. After the fajitas on Christmas Eve, and after then we go to the Christmas Eve service at church, then we have to come home, clean the kitchen and all the pots and pans, because tomorrow morning we have the special Christmas breakfast coming, and we've got to get all of the presents wrapped for that, and I've got to start working on getting the Christmas breakfast ready after the Christmas service. And, oh, by the way, after the special Christmas breakfast, we got the big Christmas lunch. We're going to, in a 24-hour period, we're having three elaborate meals plus Christmas on top of that. And she goes, this holiday is no fun for me. This is a holiday. Mother has bags under her eyes (laughs) and is is sitting slumped in the chair going, there's no joy. I thought this was going to be joy. There's not a whole lot of joy here. Mm. So many listeners can relate. Every woman is relating to this because we well, struggle. Don't leave the guys out. <laughs> we yeah. relate in a different way, but it's, you do. We're carrying. We're all carrying something. Yeah, and and you want to you want to be joyful. You want to be focused on the real meaning of Christmas, and yet you lay in bed at night. You can't sleep. I I was sleepless because of the, the money. money we're spending. Yeah. So how do you navigate it? How do you how do you dig out? Well, and I don't want to downplay. I mean, there are families that have a really hard three months after Christmas because yeah. they didn't handle the They're money rightly. And and they think to themselves, I have to do all of this with gifts and money and stuff in order for this holiday to win. Right. And so they are willing to go into debt and then they find themselves in February going, why did I do that? And they're stressed out. And this is a holiday that if you read the Bible, talks about the Prince of Peace coming <laughs> to bring joy. And people are going, what happened there? Yeah, I mean, we've all been there. How do we dig out? Because peace is what we want. Peace is not what we often feel. We have to pull back at the beginning of the season, like right now. And I think we have to look at what's coming our way, fajitas and all, right? <laughs> and we have to say, okay, let's right-size what this season is going to be about. First of all, let's determine what's most important. 
about what this season looks like. When we get to December 26th and we look back and we say, you know, that was a great Christmas. What will be the things that we'll look back on and say, that's what made it a great Christmas? And I think what you'll find is that there are going to be spiritual moments that you have as a family that are going to be more meaningful to you after the holiday is over than a lot of the busy activities that you went around and did or a lot of the cookie making. That that may have been a sweet time and you may have enjoyed that. I'm not saying you you get rid of all of it, but you have to cherry pick those things that are really going to make it good. And you have to, if, if fajitas are the thing you need to say no to, I mean, in recent years, we've gone out for fajitas on Christmas Eve instead of making them because it simplifies everything for everybody. So right-sizing is the first way to get rid of the stress and then asking the question, what are the priorities that really matter during this season? And planning out your holiday with those priorities at the centerpiece. I'd get the calendar out, Mm. husband and wife, sit down, look at your calendar and say, okay, what do we know we've got going on? And you know you've got the fixed events, like the small group is having a Christmas party this night, and the office is having their Christmas party this night, and the kids' thing is this night, and the church pageant is this night. You've got those all mapped out on the calendar. But then you need to say, okay, are we going to do a Christmas movie or two with the family? Which ones do we want to watch? What nights are we going to schedule those? And then if you start to look, and every night in December is filled up, you got to say time out. We got to have a rest night. We got to have a night where there's nothing going on. We need some margin built into our schedule here. And you start to remove some things. What doesn't get added in is the trips to the grocery store and the trips to the mall and the that all just is expected to kind of happen in the margins. You you've got to build a list of what are the priorities? It's gift buying and the gift wrapping priorities. There's the cookie making or the baking or the if you're going to go sledding one day or if you're going to some kids activity, you've you've got to kind of map out the whole month. And then I would say once you've got it mapped out, well, I'll tell you, when I worked on the Art of Marriage video series for Family Life, I got all done with the series. I showed it to the staff and everybody. And I remember Dennis coming up to me and he said, it was really good. You did a great job on that. Go back through and cut 10 percent out. (laughs) <laughs> and I went, no, wait, I liked every part of it. He said, yeah, go cut 10% out. And he was right. The stuff that wound up on the cutting room floor that I'd fallen in love with over the time, it was good to have it condensed down and make it more bite-sized for people to be able to engage with. So look at your holiday schedule. Look at all of the things you want to do. And then there are going to be some good things that you're going to want to do. Cut 10% of them out. Mm. And just say, we need some breathing room. And then write me a note after Christmas and say, thank you for that advice. That was good advice. (laughs) So you're saying be intentional. Yeah. Make a plan together with your spouse. I would add to, especially if you're the wife and you have this list of things to do, don't do it yourself. Ask your husband specifically, give him a list. Could you do these things this year at Christmas? That would really help me. And be specific. I know for me, I can be very picky about the things, the way they're done, how they get done. And so if I'm feeling like that, I need to say to Dave, could you do it this way? And I know that some of you are thinking, my husband would never do that. My kids would never do that. But it doesn't hurt to ask. That's right. And I've also found, you know, sort of the Advent season, early December, start reading Scripture. Me too. Mm -hmm. Daily. It's sort of 
reminds you, of course, what the real story is, but it lowers the stress. You're like, wait, 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 wait. I'm getting all caught up in things that are important, but not this important. Yeah. And then when you open the scripture every day, and you know, as a preacher, I'm getting ready to preach on that that Christmas story. I decide I got to read this multiple times, and I'm sort of doing it for my sermon. But that passage in Matthew and Luke changed me. It sort of just said, okay, slow down the RPMs. What matters right now is focus on Jesus. What matters right now is the people I'm doing life with. And I need to center myself there. We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you need some practical help in your relationship and aren't quite sure where to turn? We offer relationship checkups where you will meet with one of our trained relationship coaches who will help equip you with some new tools while you take a more holistic look at your relationship. For more information, email radio at powertochange.org.au or check out our website, families.powertochange.org.au under the Need Help tab and get started today. We hope you can join us tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today. Thank you.